Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where you dig you out of your backlog before it burrs you. I'm John, and joining me as always is the flotsam and jetsam to my Ursula. I'm Jared here, and I know the difference between those two words. I'm Matt, and I forget what the difference is. Today we are covering three locations for the second half of the second half of the Disney worlds. Atlantica, Halloween Town, and Neverland. That's right. We got a bunch to go through today, though a couple of the worlds are shorter, so it's why we chose to do more than the last section. Atlantica is one of those things where you just have to embrace the cringe of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're going first. We're going to learn that Donald's magic is powerful and terrifying. <laughs> so basically, uh, the heroes show up. It's like, well, this world appears to be all water. And like all other worlds, apparently about a square mile in diameter. And But Donald says, don't worry, I got this covered. And then he casts magic that completely transforms all three of them. Gotta protect the world border. Yes, but how is turning a duck into some sort of horrifying octopus monster protecting anything? It protects the sanity of everyone that lives in the oceans if they don't have to comprehend the idea of a duck that deep underwater. But now it's half <laughs> duck, half something else. Isn't that just going to really confuse them? I think they're fine. I think they're used to that kind of thing down there. Sora, he turns into a person, kind of with a uh, dolphin look to him. Donald turns into one half Donald without a shirt, which is, you know, disturbing. And one half octopus, much like the villain of Little Mermaid, and you know, Goofy turns into a turtle. A turtle. <laughs> well, it's a dog turtle. What are you going to mm-hmm. call it? <laughs> and another thing transforms when we get down in here too. The controls—they become shit. And the camera was already halfway there. Come on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Kingdom Hearts One's already fighting really hard to figure out how it wants to be a 3D platformer action RPG, and then it adds the worst thing you can add to a 3D game, which is swimming controls and full 3D motion. Don't forget that. Oh yeah. There's only one game ever that I have thought has had good swimming levels, and that was Mario 64. <laughs> Mario 64 did a decent job of it. It's way down later in the series, but I actually think Kingdom Hearts 3 swinging controls are amazing. But Mm. (laughs) that is way, way, way away. And we are already getting sick of the first dozen bars of Under the Sea. Oh, God, I hate the music so much here. (laughs) (laughs) I love Disney music almost unreasonably, but this version of it, which is just playing the first chunk over again, not using any part of the bridge, it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it switches into a sort of mixed action theme that just has the marimba go completely out of control, yeah, and yeah. it's just it's just noise so, after a bit. It's Little Mermaid, so naturally the Disney characters that we're going to run into right away are Ariel, Sebastian, and Flounder. The first thing that our movie characters notice is that we have three sea creatures, though at least two of them should be breathing oxygen, that absolutely cannot swim. Yep. They claim to be from different waters. The waters apparently have different swimming controls where they're from. Can we have their swimming controls instead? <laughs> no, their swimming controls is you have to mash buttons move in any direction. I'm, j- I'm just imagining, you know, all the three of them like swimming in circles or swimming up against a wall and like half clipping through it while going along the side of it. That sort of thing. They offer to give you a swimming lesson. You have to chase flounder around, as I recall. It gets you used to the idea of, OK, I think I can swim in this. And then it throws you into battles and you realize, oh, no, I can't swim in this at all. Because basically you can kind of move in the four cardinal directions, but you have a different button to ascend and to descend. So you're completely shifting your grip at times and Mm -hmm. you can't really control your motion in more one direction at a time. So Mm -hmm. when there's enemies that are kind of flying around you, good luck. Yeah, I think what I always end up doing is I just lock on to an enemy and use that as my swimming direction. <laughs> I almost never try and worry about my ascension or descension if I'm in battle. Yeah, it makes sense. So the second that you're done with the playing, suddenly a whole bunch of Heartless rock up. And you got some crazy designs because, you know, you're underwater. They have to be their own specific types. Yeah, uh, what do we got for down here? There's four different ones to mention. First of all, you got your, your screwdriver. They're like divers, only for some reason they give themselves little torpedo heads. Uh, what are the name two... of the big jellyfish guys? Well, there's a small one called Sea Neons, a big one called Sheltering Zone. Or is it the other way around? Uh, no, they Sheltering look... Zone sounds like it would be the big ones. So The funny thing is, if you look at it carefully, it kind of looks like a heartless head that stuffed itself up inside a jellyfish from below. Yep. <laughs> Then you got, for some reason, you got search ghosts, although they don't really fit the setting. You got, they're just literally kind of ghosty guys with glowing eyes that are searching for you. Mm-hmm. And finally, you got the big old aqua tanks, which yeah. are just big, chompy fish that are mm-hmm. basically tanks. Yeah, they usually come flying in, carried by a few of the divers. They will, like, launch it at you because it's sort of like a big torpedo type thing as well. Basically, they're guaranteed to completely mess up your uh, orientation there. Because you it's just, it, it goes flying off, and then, oh no, my camera's I, all over the place. 
Yeah. The thing is, Atlantic is not really a chaos map, of the term we keep using, uh, because because you kind of know where everything is, but it's, it's, it's divided into these pretty big three-dimensional zones, mm-hmm. so you kind of get lost in the space instead. And there's also this really annoying cave that has a flowing current. You have to enter in from certain points if you want to get to a different place, and much of the traversal is figuring out which door gets you where. And not just getting swept out, which basically just turns you around the whole loop. At the very so, least, there's some pretty readily recognizable landmarks around Atlantica, so it's not yeah. that bad. The bigger problem is not you're getting turned around and not knowing where you are. It's just like in a, after a battle, you have to reorient yourself in this really big space and figure out where you are going. Yeah, it also doesn't feel all that cramped because the skyboxes are nice and far away. It feels like a big and open level. It's just a bit of a pain to navigate sometimes. Yeah. Most of the zooming controls. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a shame that one of the most exploratory levels yet, it's, you kind of feel punished for it by just the very basics of the game. It's still got a bit of interesting story to do, though, because this is one of the first times we will encounter a Disney character other than our main cast that seems to know shit. Well, yeah. There's a Little Mermaid. I won't go too long into the story because everyone remembers that one. But, of course, you have the overprotective father in King Triton, Triton being a lesser god in the Greek pantheon. Mm-hmm. The king of the deep waters. How he's always overprotective. I kind of argue this this current version of the world, where there's horrifying monsters swarming everywhere, is it really that bad that he's that he's worried? Yeah, no. He, he it makes perfect sense that he would want Ariel to not go out into the waters all the time, just because there's so many heartless around right now. Add to that, when you go and talk to Triton, who is it that mentions keyholes again? Is it Donald? It's, it's always worth remembering that these characters are not supposed to be talking about like we're protecting the world border. Triton's like, I don't know these guys. Sora says, oh, we came from very far away. And Goofy just immediately says, yep, we're looking for the keyhole. Goofy, that's who it was. Yeah, and Triton just, just stops everything, glares you and says, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> Triton does not want anything to do with you and your keyblades. Never Triton, heard of it. Go away. Yeah, Triton pretty clearly knows some shit, probably because he's a king. When you're like, king, you I, know these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like Monty Python, because we know at the very least that Mickey knows a lot of shit because Mickey is off doing story stuff uh, completely behind the scenes. So we have to assume Mickey somehow learned about the plot before anyone else. Yep. He went moving before anyone was even fully aware there was problems. Yep. Triton, who at least understands what a keyhole is. Well, at the moment, he's claiming not to. In fact, he gives the worst, I never heard what you're talking about ever, kicks you out of the castle, and then that's it for a moment. Even Sebastian says, Keyhole, that sounds interesting if you leave. And he says, shut up, you don't need to know about it. Yep. So, and they just talk about how they know Ursula is causing shit. Uh, this it's is, either he knows what's going on, or at the very least, he knows that strange people showing up and lying about what they are and t- talking about clearly mystical stuff is trouble. Yeah. I mean, they don't have doors down there. Yep. <laughs> so you eventually find Ariel at her grotto because she is upset that her dad is mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. She, you know, her grotto is always one of the famous set pieces for the movie. It's full of all the random detritus she's found from the human world and where a, a seagull that bullshits tells her all the wrong things about it. Mm-hmm. Ariel yeah. finds cute things in the trash and brings them home. Oh, wait. That's next <laughs> series. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't spell it right. It's cute with a KY. Yes. How do you hear that? So go basically, ahead. she suggested we should go to this one shipwreck and find something useful. Like, they imply there's, like, like, some sort of crystal they need there. In the meantime, Ursula, who, by the way, Triton knows is summoning monsters, is mm-hmm. watching everything you're doing. Now, we have to go back to that because you have to, you know, you have to catch the dolphin or big fish or whatever. You have to catch a dolphin to go riding against the current so that you can make it to the sunken ship. But first, it can't have any Heartless there. Heartless spawn in swarms if you move too far in any one direction. Mm-hmm. And it'll and run off a of fly and you have to chase it down. So yep. Yeah, you have to kill all the Heartless in the area before you can grab onto the dolphin. And then we end up at the sunken ship and you know how we, you know what happens there. Yep, you fight a shark. As you do. Shark being a one-shot character from the uh, movie there, I believe it's officially called Glut. Though that doesn't come up in any official source like within the movie. It's just what they call it in their records. But yeah, it's just a big old shark. I don't know if it's even that interesting of a fight for underwater. You whack out of the nose so it runs off. And if you go back to the sunken ship, which you will, it will be back there to hit again. It just respawns. It's a shark. It thinks you're food, not friends. We're in the completely wrong era there. What, it's like only 14 years between Little Mermaid and Finding Nemo? (sighs) Let's see, Little Mermaid came out in 1989. Yeah, Finding Nemo was 2003. Hmm. Now you feel old. (laughs) Nah, I always feel old, so it doesn't really make me think about too much. 
crumbles into dust. <laughs> so is this where we find a crystal trident? Yep. And it's like, oh, neat. We found something. And, well, there was a hole earlier fits it. This is an adventure game. Now use trident on hole. Yep. Everyone knows adventure game logic. Yeah. Yep. You found a thing. It's shaped like a, another thing. And you put it in the thing, which triggers the dad to come and yell at you. I can't use these things together. <laughs> so the second you put it in there, like, it doesn't even seem like anything's about to happen. Trident comes flying in the grotto and yells at you. And he just blows up that crystal immediately. Yep. Like, so, so Ariel, of course, sadly runs off, though. He's at least restrained enough not to destroy everything she ever values in one room like she, he does in a movie. And so Trent goes, you're not from another ocean. You're from another world. So it's like, I thought I was kiting it so I well. Not, I am not. No, you. <laughs> and he's like, you don't know your dorsal fin from your tail. Also, why do you have a dorsal fin? None of us do. <laughs> <laughs> and so. usually he just he goes completely into Luminary King logic here, saying the key bearer brings ruin and you're not supposed to meddle in other worlds. One of those is correct. The other ones are very strange arguments. He clearly at least knows that people who go between worlds should not meddle in the affairs of other worlds. What, does he just, like, meet with Mickey for beers every Saturday or something? Yeah, so Trayton, he's at least not enough things like, look, you saved my daughter, thanks, but get the hell out of my ocean. Yep. You and your damn key. At this point, we're kind of, like, hitting some of the ideas of the movie without, like, actually going into the love story of the movie. They clearly are yeah. saving the love story for something else. Because we have our saddened Ariel, though I do wonder, like, he blew up one thing she just found, but mm -hmm. she's still immediately susceptible to the terrifying octopus witch who shows up here. Yep. And Ursula, you know, she's a great villain in terms of design and everything. Oh, yeah. Ursula's a great villain design. You know her source, right? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, she was she was actually based off of the drag queen divine. Basically, if you think about her very brassy personality, her showmanship and all that. And so also, is. Ursula is one of the most, because of that source, Ursula is one of the most infamously queer-coded Disney villains. I yeah, I was just about to say, that's another case of queer-coding in Disney villains. That's unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> but... It's infamous. You feel not agree with me on that, but I also find it kind of fascinating because mm -hmm. of that. Well, it, mm -hmm. I mean, as far as I understand it, the artists did want to get these characters and designs in there, but they could only do it on villains. Yeah, because of this whole situation, you ended up with this thing where Disney had this whole very wholesome Christian thing going on, but all the Well, I would say that they are more secular than Christian. Christianize everything secular, and they secularize everything Christian, is what I would say Disney does. <laughs> but I, well, in I essence, they bit, had a wholesome uh, identity right. while mm -hmm. all of the animators were very queer and wanted to get these queer things in, and so you had all of this really incredible representation, but it could only be on villains. And sometimes they just put dicks on cover art. Yep. By a little bit of more sad trivia. Go for it. Divine didn't live to see the, the likeness on film, died in 1988, a year before. Oh, and supposedly, supposedly friends of the, of the person said that they would have very much liked the depiction and maybe would have even liked the voice the character had been told about it because they, hmm. they quoted as saying, when I was young, all I wanted to be was a Disney villain once. <laughs> nice. The villains in Disney movies are the ones that seem to be having the most fun. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So basically, and now we talk to the villain, it is worth mentioning as we kind of made fun of ourselves to start. Ursula has a couple of hench eels, flotsam and jetsam. They, they're good mob designs for a, a boss. <laughs> I mean, their role there is to, you know, be the first tempting devil saying, oh, look, mm -hmm. this sad kid. We should take her to this witch. No. The Flotsam and Jetsam were actually probably some of my favorite characters in that movie. I thought they had a cool design, and I also kind of like the the kind of like eel persona thing that they had going on. Mm -hmm. In case the girl, they're just they're just being the the, the assholes wrecking everything to make sure mm -hmm. that scene doesn't finish. Yep. But here, rather than you know being the subtle luring them to Ursula's lair, Ursula gets impatient, just shows up two seconds later. She's like, "Yeah, Ursula, like you're sad. I'm gonna guess why you're sad. You want to go to other worlds because those other guys came from other worlds, right?" And she says. What? That's not a thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, well, they have a cool key. Other things are cool, too. Like, your dad's tried it. And Ariel's like, yeah, that tracks. But I really don't think things through sometimes. Yeah, Ariel really doesn't think things through very well. Well, Ariel she's young. Kind of, she's impulsive. She's a teenager. Yep. She is kind of especially dumb in this rendition of it, though. It's unfortunate, but... <laughs> well, because they only did about a third of the plot, she doesn't really have any of the motivations that are, are right. pushing her to impulsive actions or hitting her flaws. So she's kind of bored and easily annoyed. And it also doesn't help that since the original Little Mermaid is a musical that cut out all the music as well. 
Okay, you're 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 asking for trouble with that. I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Remembering your words for later. I am placing my chess pieces very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, then, but that one we just played, that's equivalent to sneezing on the board. So you just knocked everything over. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. <laughs> that's I also fear that I fear that just as much as the accidental choice. And then so I went Ariel? on and having and king him. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you sunk my Go fish. <laughs> <laughs> now, and now I am the old maid. <laughs> we know board games good. Ariel just walks Ursula right to the castle because, like all Kingdom Hearts world, there's an extreme deficiency of NPCs, so there's mm-hmm. no one to stop them because everyone else is outside. Yep. So eerie. It's, I mean, who's going to stop them? Sebastian? Little crab goose. He can do it. I believe in Sebastian. Sebastian well, is said, strong. There's no other mer people. There's just Sebastian, Ariel, and Flounder, and Triton. No one mm-hmm. else lives there. There's not even a token guard at the door. Correct. It's kind of something like the worlds are very empty of life other than Heartless, and it gets creepy sometimes. It gets a bit better with later games, but the early ones, yeah, they are very extremely empty, yeah. and it feels weird. The empty Coliseum back in Olympus is, even though you can go up into the stands to do stuff, it still feels weird. Yep. Anyway, now you have a whole lot of exploring the world without a lot of story to just get to Ursula's domain. Yeah, because she steals the trident, blasts Triton, he's useless for the rest of the world, and Ariel, Ariel joins your party and it's time to start searching. Yep, I don't even rec- recall all that much interesting about ex- the exploration. <laughs> so you get a few treasure chests. I want to say you get dolphin kick. I think you get dolphin kick later on, just as a you need this to go against the current. Right, and of course, when they say go against current, they said let's how can we make the controls worse? How about an uncontrollable, unclear lane dash that's that's activated by hammering on a button? Mm-hmm. It does. You also can't really steer during. That's totally a good thing to add. And of course they did. So yeah, basically you travel through different maps, eventually finding your way to Ursula's lair where you have to fight her. So yep. this world's already reached near the end of its story. Yep. Fortunately, uh, Ursula is a little bit annoying, but she is nowhere near as bad as the obviously infamous, at least in my mind, the Jafar fight. Nope. Mm, well, like, Ursula has two parts, and I'll definitely forgive the first part, because I have problems with mostly due to my lack of understanding. What you have to do in the first fight is magic on the cauldron, right? Yeah. Ursula's running in and out. Like her, la- her lair is a bit tall. It's like about two, by probably about two screens worth tall. She's popping in and out of like big coral holes, and you can't hurt her at all. Nothing hits her. You could, and the eels are also chasing you, and all you can do is knock them down for a bit. Yep. They, they get back up. But she has a cauldron mill, which she pulls effects out of, and you have to start casting magic on it aggressively so it overloads and blasts her. I thought mm-hmm. you said to cast magic on it once, so I was murdering myself in that fight, waiting for shit to happen. Nope, you gotta do it a lot. So, and once you knock her out, then you can wail on her, of course. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's still a fight where you don't get to hit the boss a lot, but at least it's something you're progressing with, not chasing a floating guy around a chamber. Mm-hmm. I see the pun you did there. What? I did I'm a pun. joking. Who did a pun? Uh, I, I'm joking because it's, I said whale on whale on, oh. on the sea creature. Oh. Oh. For once, that oh. was completely accidental. It, it went right over my head. I said mine too. <laughs> so, so finally, when she beat Ursula, well, if you know the movie, you notice she has one last trick up her sleeve. She gets big. Yeah, we're going to be fighting a kaiju octopus now. And this fight is Ugh. kind of annoying. Really annoying. You're a lot more kind than me. I mean, you go ahead and start describing it. I, I kind of was so, running whole on the first one. I'll give my comments. <laughs> the core of it is she's a lot like Andros in Star Fox and that she has a lot of moves that have her inhale and then spit stuff out. Uh, she'll occasionally just cast a bunch of AOE thunder around the arena. And your goal is to get in close and smack her in the face and get away if she starts inhaling. Sometimes the back of the head's better just to avoid the inhaling, yeah. but, it's, but well, she no, turns if she's, fast. If she starts to inhale, she's going to turn and look at you. Uh, yeah. The safest place is behind her head, but sometimes she just turns way too fast. So you got to swim out for that. Most of her attacks have like trigger lines on it. So you constantly hear her saying ridiculous stuff like mm, slippery little morsel and then she tries to eat you. Yep. But the, here's the pro- here's my problems with it. First of all, for half the fight, there's not just lightning AOEs. There's tracking lightning chasing you like yep. there's constantly lightning spawning above your head. Mm-hmm. To avoid her inhale moves, you have to be dolphin kicking. Mm-hmm. And I've already talked about how little I like the uh, controls with that. Mm-hmm. 
and the attack, especially the inhale attacks, it means if you're in attack range, if you're not paying attention, she just slams on you, and it does real effing damage. Right. This one actually took me a hard time. Between the, the lightnings and the sudden switch to, uh, like, to bite attacks, it just kept uh, defeating me. I think this fight took me a long time the first time I played on Proud Mode, but on my more recent playthrough, I got it a lot quicker. So. How, do you, how was your experience? Do you remember, Matt? I remember having a little bit of trouble with it, but I was nowhere near as frustrated with it as Jafar. Mm-hmm. The difference yeah. between this and Jafar is that in this, there is one clear target that is very big and very easy to see. With Jafar, yeah. the target is not the big thing. It's the tiny thing that's moving around the arena. You're not being frustrated by miniature bullshit. You're being frustrated by the fight being kind of cheap yeah. as fuck. Yeah, big damage is different from small target. And unfortunately, the real problem is you're still fighting those damn controls because you can get above and below her head range mm-hmm. and you won't really notice that you're closer to her and then you're wasting time repositioning since it's hard to run away when you're targeting her. At least I found it. So I had to, I had to detarget her to run. Mm-hmm. But eventually you will win. Just keep at it and perseverance. And when you do, you've beaten another Disney villain, which means you get another Ansem report. Ansem report number three. The shadows that crawl beneath the castle. Are they people who have lost their hearts or incarnations of darkness or something entirely beyond my imagination? All my knowledge has provided no answer. One thing I am sure of is that they are entirely devoid of emotion. Perhaps further studies will unlock the mysteries of the heart. Fortunately, there is no shortage of test samples. They are multiplying underground even as I write this report. They still need a name. Those who lack hearts. I will call them the Heartless. That's weird. You know, <laughs> considering they apparently, they basically are hearts. <laughs> yeah, like, so what do we think about this little tidbit of information? I still want to know how these reports are helping them control the Heartless. <laughs> I, I don't know if the reports are helping them control the Heartless. I think the reports are more just... Well, that's what Leon thought. Well, they, yeah, the f- I think it's less that the reports themselves are helping them control the Heartless and more that this is a journal of somebody who figured out something about the Heartless. And if you follow this research to its end, you get to that answer. Sure. Because Leon or Yuffie, one of them, they asked about Answer the Wise. He said Maleficent has reports and that's how she must be controlling them. Mm. But yeah, I guess that's the best. That's got the best explanation I've heard so far. So, yeah, if you have lore, you can do crazy stuff. What do we think about this particular tidbit of lore though for here we have ansem presumably starting to just come to understand a bit more about what our heartless and what he's going to be experimenting the thing on. i'm interested in here is that the heartless are devoid of emotion as he puts it mm-hmm. and so that kind of gives the idea of what a heartless is i suppose i mean we we know from later lore that it's possibly not quite accurate to say that heartless lack hearts Mm -hmm. but in some way their hearts are corrupted in some way that they cannot feel the normal emotions that normal hearts feel i think it's interesting that like like everything else in kingdom hearts one this is a very prototypical idea where they're like we we're not quite sure what the heartless are yet so here's some uh, scattershot ideas Mm -hmm. ansem being our ostensible person who has researched a lot of lore and is leaving notes around for people to understand his lore and control stuff with it, has left this information for us to see as well. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I get what you're saying, basically. You're just trying to say summed up what the role in the plot would be. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I think this report's whole goal is to make the player go, oh, hey, there's something going on here in the world. It's making me wonder a bit more about where the Heartless came from. And maybe this Ansem guy is responsible for why they're all gone? Mm-hmm. Well, don't we get the idea from Leon and Yuffie that Ansem was their leader at some point, or is that yes. a thing? Mm-hmm. No, they said he was their wise king who studied the Heartless. Right. Yeah. Basically hit the end of Atlantica for all its long exploration, talking the stories pretty quick, as, as strange as it feels. Yep. Uh, so Triton's like, okay, fine, I guess you're not here to screw us all over. Thanks for taking care of that woman. Mm-hmm. And I'll just make a new crystal thing to put in that hole. You use crystal trident on rock and keyhole up here. Mm-hmm. Use key on keyhole. And again, he even says, Why, can you please seal our keyhole? It's like, well, that's what we were here for in the first place. He doesn't have the thing to say, oh, Right. Sorry. <laughs> he came and bothered to do that. So we've cleared Atlantica. Like, 
Ariel does a little bit of her posing, like she's singing part of Robin Knot while talking about the other worlds, and then mm-hmm. you're done. The next world we're going to go to in terms of difficulty is Halloween Town, the world that they added to keep cool cred. We don't have any proof of that, but it's a really compelling argument because this world, well, Nightmare Before Christmas is probably one of the furthest things away from a Disney thing they had there. It was only barely distributed by Disney, first off. But it, it is also one of the most recent properties they had access to at the time. No, no, no. Or, Nightmare Before Christmas was like 93. Oh, was 94, something like that? 94 Christmas okay. came out in 1993, you're correct. So while it's not oh, as okay. old as some, it goes back pretty far. Well, I realized when you look at the packaging, the original box, one of the things they showed was the Halloween Town world. Yep. And even Sora's alternate costume from it. Yep. I think so, it was popular throughout the 90s, I suppose. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas is the teenager's idea of, oh, this is a cool Christmas movie. <laughs> but it's not like it's bad. It's actually it is, it's it's a, enjoyable. It's a very, it is a very good movie. But like, it also just has that aura about it of, hey, you want to be cool? This thing's edgy. <laughs> I mean, look at all these worth, crazy designs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you look at it over, Sora, Donald, and Goofy once again put on new costumes. So it's not clear if Donald did it, though he does vaguely say they look spooky now. I'm going to assume that every single time they go to a world that changes their forms, Donald is responsible for the form changing because they've established that with Atlantica and we're going to keep with that. Okay, but why does he not use Imp or Toad or Pig then? Because they are not at Final Fantasy world yet. They've not gone back home for Donald. I really so, like Sora's outfit in this one. It, mm-hmm. It's very... It definitely looks very The Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. to me. Yeah, he's but got a very vampire outfit, I think yeah. it is. Well, the way I would describe it is, like I said, his colors have been switched to dark. They do a, a really cool thing with all the textures in this world where, like, everything looks a lot more rough to try and fit with the claymation look of the original movie. He's got, like, wings. He's got visible fangs. His eyes are kind of different looking. His clothes are black. And he's got this sort of pumpkin mask pushed up on his head. And he's got a little snaggletooth fang. Does he have wing, wingies on his uh, on his back too? All mm-hmm. things I mentioned, guys. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and what is Donald? Donald's a mummy. Yeah, and the weird thing is, his midsection is missing. He like you, you, there's a gap in his bandages. You can see through it. Yep, it is. That's it's disturbing. Yeah, Donald yeah, has like, nothing inside him. Well, he's kind of you know. I always felt he, I wasn't sure about his rich inner world in this version of him, anyways. But oh mm-hmm. wait, and Goofy is a Frankenstein with a bolt hat. Actually, uh, actually. Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I just love that we, meme of for the last page of Frankenstein. You can call me Frankenstein too. That's fine. <laughs> I just love we are all waiting for that joke. It's the cheapest joke in existence, but we are no. all waiting for it. We have to. It's it's obligatory. I think. Goofy's world, build fits for that character. He's lanky. He's got long arms, and he's got big. For some reason, they decided his head he had a big screw in his head, so that's worrying too. <laughs> so this world is weird and nuts. I mean, I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm pretty sure about five minutes in, I wrote, "What the hell is going on?" Can the very I, first uh, scene, we see. A bunch of cartless rise up in Town Square in Halloween Town, and then they start to dance because Jack is trying to get them to dance. Jack Skellington. They're not attacking. They're search ghosts like we saw over in Atlantica, and they get this little dance, and then Jack does his iconic entrance where he comes out of the fountain. They even manage to animate Tao with the little bat wings that he has for shoulder pads and furl, mm-hmm. which is nice hearing how much this animation has been struggling up till now. But yeah. then it's like he's like, well, the heartless, they're not quite dancing in time. Yep. So what do we find when we walk around the world before we get to under the story? So first, the music that is playing on repeat is the first few bars of This is Halloween. It gets a little bit further into it, like it goes into the verse and the underscore there. Mm-hmm. So and, and because it's kind of a more of a slower driving beat without the huge peppiness there, it doesn't quite hit me as hard as oh, yeah. it did back in Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, Halloween Town looks fantastic. Yeah, everything about this world is very well realized. I think it's probably one of the later ones they added, I'm guessing. It's they a, they kind definitely of blew a lot of their budget on this world, I think. I don't know if I, I mean, would say that. It's still kind of a small world. Every room is a, kind of a small box. It still is pieced together in such a way that you like understand how it's put together. So it doesn't feel like a chaos maze. So they yeah, finally I mean, figured out how to make a good level. <laughs> and the number of things they managed to put in that just are so iconic. The Night Before Christmas is full of iconic imagery. The town is very distinct. So the next place we're going to be going is Dr. Finkelstein's lab. And while it is a bit sparse, it's still very much there. Mm-hmm. You got Moonlight Hill, that curly hill everyone remembers from both the box art and the movie itself. It looks mm-hmm. great, and it even uncurls like that. Mm-hmm. And you got Oogie Boogie's Mansion, and while it looks great, nah. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. We go to Finkelstein's lab, and... Well, Jack's like, oh, hi, who are you guys? Jack instantly befriends us because Jack is just a super cheerful guy who 
just wants to scare everyone the best way he can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I just really like Jack Skellington as a character simply oh, yeah. because he's so earnest about what he does. He's not mean about it or, or anything like that, even though he's technically, you know, trying to scare everybody because he's Halloween. He's just, it's all about having good fun for him. Mm-hmm. And while in the movie he succumbs to some pretty severe ennui about it, it's only that's hurt his enthusiasm rather right. than that he's angry or spiteful. Right. He just, he, he's, he's internally hurting, not like hurting others. Well, he's burned out on what he's been doing for a while anymore. Wants to freshen things up. Funny thing is here, well, it doesn't hit that here. You almost can feel that. I mean, oh, yeah. we start this well, like you come in, the heartless aren't doing a dance. Jack comes up, the mayor's being his hype man. Jack, Jack runs I, off to see the doctor, and we chase after him because what else are we going to do here? <laughs> yep. I mean, we have made a new friend. Let's go talk to him. And so Jack and Finkelstein are trying to make a heart so that they control the heartless because Jack has decided that the heartless need a heart. I'm just laughing about this whole situation now because we just got this funny hint about uh, Ansem trying to research the heartless. And now all of a sudden Jack is trying to solve the metaphysic of the Kingdom Hearts setting from first principles. Yep, it's great. (laughs) Jack loves the scientific method. He borrowed it from Finkelstein that he learned about, but he absolutely took to it like a duck to water. Unfortunately, what they think a heart needs, they have a idea of what composes a heart, and yeah. then the actual ingredients that they choose to represent that are completely off the wall. Oh, it's great. Like I said, walked into this guy's, this guy's lab. Everything that happens to your eyes because on a whim, Jack and the doctor's like, oh, maybe these guys called heartless need a heart. Let's make a heart. And the first is we need a container with a lock. Finkelstein is wheelchair wheels. So he's, he's got this weird heart-shaped box that pulses and has a big padlock on it. Well, we don't have a key. It's like, you know, you own this thing, but you don't have the key for it. That's great. <laughs> Whatever. And so it's like, you know, I bet this is going to work. And because it's going to work, we want to fight Heartless. Isn't that great? I want to see him dance. Mm-hmm. Sora is basically, every time Sora goes into this world, he completely reverts to being a little kid. It's great. <laughs> Jack Skellington's enthusiasm and, and earnestness is infectious, I think. Oh, yeah. And it certainly doesn't hurt that you do have the original speaking voice, not singing voice, that's Danny Elfman, but the speaking voice, Chris Sarandon being Jack. So oh, he, good. since it's such a iconic performance with that high, friendly voice that can go spooky, mm-hmm. so you got the guy who knows what he's doing there. So you just run up there and unlock. He's like, hey, guy I never met, thanks for helping. So mm-hmm. you should be part of Halloween. Because everybody should be part of Halloween, right? Yeah. 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 So let's go with the easy bake recipe for a heart. Pulse. Pulse. A frog. Emotion. Terror specifically. Let's put down a spider. Fear. Fear. He just scratches a pane of glass because that's clearly something there. Hope and despair. Snakes. Sure. It's twin snakes. White and black snake, I believe, but I'm not oh, wow. sure. Basically, but more Boris of each other. And the last thing that they realize it needs is memory. They try setting it up, and oh, yeah. the, uh, the Heartless, they have strapped to a table and doing God knows what. So gets up for a second and just falls over. Mm-hmm. Now, we need memory, and the only one who has memory is Sally. I forget exactly what Sally is. Sally is uh, Finkelstein's assistant, right? And also implied his creation. Like, she's like a stitched together doll, and mm-hmm. he based very much indicated that he, in the movie, and as being kind of abusive about it, that he created her. Uh, okay. Not so fun fact, in the earlier version of the story, Finkelstein was going to be under Oogie Boogie's skin because he was not happy with Sally becoming more independent. Big. Hmm. Yeah, Big. I'm kind of glad they, did, they changed from that version. Yeah. I mean, he even says, I don't know why I bought her creating her when she's not there right now. And he's like, oh, we'll go find her. <laughs> So, and Sora's just really enjoying all this weirdness. But, oh yeah. however, something bad has happened. I can only assume it's because they were messing around with the heart. But now the heartless are just kind of sitting around thinking they should dance. They're just kicking shit now. Oh, yeah. All the heartless are out of control. <laughs> so we've done good. Good work. Excellent. Now we can fight. More experience points. Jack is another one of those party members that's actually quite good. But unfortunately, in this game, we still just keep the main three because right. they're the best. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a pain to set up their stat. You have to select all their abilities at once opposed to the character that you could equip their abilities. Like, I don't know if we covered that. Like, all sorts of different abilities can be equipped or unequipped. Like, things that are modifiers, types of attacks. Mm-hmm. And every time you get a side character like Ariel or Aladdin or Jack or some of the others there, it's, it, it's going to be three to five minutes of prowling through the menu. They always have them automatically set up, though. Yeah, but you have to pick through to see what they have. I mean, as bad as they 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 always have, they always have enough skill points to just use them. But I I almost never use the guest characters myself, anyways. Even though they all they do kind of have like little special abilities in them. Mm -hmm. It's really not until Kingdom Hearts two that I use guest characters at all. Uh, I don't like using that either because I don't like I don't like limiting the forms. Once you get master form or final form, it doesn't matter. 
but also, you can also change out your party members mid-fight anyway. We'll get into all the gameplay polish stuff that Kingdom Hearts 2 does when we get to Kingdom Hearts 2, because I love Kingdom Hearts 2. So after getting lost in the town square repeatedly, because I have a hard time tracking what building goes where, but that's mostly on me, and running into the guillotine a few times, you end up in the graveyard. Yeah, the town square is a little annoying. It's got some simple, fun platforming. Yeah, and in the graveyard, you find Sally. Well, first you find Zero. Oh, yes. You do meet Zero in Kingdom Hearts 1. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> he pops up. Have you seen Sally? And he points because you turn around and there she is. Jack's saying, well, we need your memory. And Sally, consistently being the only intelligent person, presumably because she has memory, the only person who can recognize patterns, saying, I feel like what we're messing with, not a good thing. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jack, for all his smarts, is just as impulsive as little kid Sora. Mm-hmm. As we leave the scene, the scene lingers in the graveyard because out pop... More heartless? Lock, sock, and barrel. Oh, shocked. As the movie described in Halloween's best trick-or-treaters, so they apparently just the uh, small group of thugs. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like lock, sock, and barrel as mooks. By the way, it's shock, not stock. I know that's the uh, old phrase, but oh. they switched it out. Oh, I'm sorry. It's lock, shock, and barrels. So they realize, oh, they're making a heart. Let's tell Oogie Boogie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I believe, which I, which I'm half convinced that would be their answer. It's like, oh, he's making sandwiches for everyone. Let's make, let's tell Oogie Boogie. <laughs> he likes sandwiches. <laughs> Oogie Boogie is one of the dumber villains. In now, when you this game. now when you say dumber, do you mean like he's a ridiculous concept? No, as in I think he is one of the more incompetent villains of the of the game. That's very fair. <laughs> And once again, I think almost everyone in this, they get the right voice. Because Ken Page, the singer of Oogie Boogie, is, is the voice that is the same guy there. Mm-hmm. So as we, they go back and say he's surprised, Oogie Boogie hears like, oh, a heart. And like everyone else who hears about the heart, he immediately assumes it's going to work. And it's exactly what they need. Does anyone find this weird? He was working with Maleficent earlier, right? He yep. was in the scene and he appears in two of them. But here he says he needs something to control the heartless. I guess. <laughs> Uh, let's let's play a game. It's called "What? Why could this be real?" Option A: Oogie Boogie is not able to control the heartless because Maleficent looked, took one look at this bag of bugs and said, "No." Why did I hurt Op- you? This is the worst decision I've made. <laughs> Option B: Oogie Boogie is functionally illiterate and can't read what was given to him. That sounds reasonable. Option C: Oogie Boogie was invited there if trained wrong as a joke. Ah, the Wimplow. I think it's Wimplow. Wimplow. The Wimplow yeah. solution. Yes. Ah, Kung Pao. So what was yours, Matt? Uh, he gets to sit at the big kid's table, but I'm honestly shocked that Maleficent hasn't kicked him out yet. Mm-hmm. Well, she's looking for better options, and after you get past the ones in this movie, I mean, your options are going to go downhill fast. I mean, is the next choice going to be the Hunters from Bambi? They're yeah. evil, but... They're also just sort of like... Not characters. This is true. Perhaps she can go. I mean, I guess no one wants to hang out with Gaston, so they don't even think about him. Yeah, no one wants to hang out with Gaston. Gaston's a jerk. No one ruins parties like Gaston. (laughs) (laughs) Also, no one wants to talk to Frollo, so. Oh, God. (laughs) I I have this strong image. It's like, even I have Stan. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck I was going to say that those two would not get along very well, considering, you know, that she's an actual witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she showed up there and he just started waving a torch in her face. Yeah, yeah. That might that might be what happened. That might be what happened. <laughs> oh, God. How did I not? How did I not get there, man? <laughs> They determined that, yes, what they need is surprise. And to, to surprise, you need to help the mayor with his giant pumpkin. Like you do. It's like you got to play a game with the Heartless with their, like, uh, which one pops out of which tombstone, like mm-hmm. which order they appear. And then he's a splendid. Now look at the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. By the way, this might be a good time. We really haven't talked about Halloween Town's Heartless yet. And they got some pretty crazy designs here. They got gargoyles, right? Yeah, I mean, the start where the search ghosts, which I still don't understand why they're in Atlantica. They were there first. Weren't they also in Monstro? Uh, Monstro had a bit of everything. I think, like, you go back there, more things appear. You also, as you said, they had the gargoyles, which are very literal. They kind of have the build of soldiers, but they, uh, they're they lankier and they have those wings. Mm-hmm. And they also got the white knights. Mm-hmm. The, the mummy things. Yeah, Like they're, they're kind of built like skeleton with super long limbs, only they're bendier, so they're lower in the ground to him. And mm-hmm. they're a bit spidery almost in the way they run. The White Knights are some of my favorite Heartless designs. I love them. Now we're about to get into a little bit of wacky antics because you get the Jack in the Box, which is surprise. Naturally. As soon as you put it in the heart, before anything can happen, before you can see if this hypothesis worked, the three little jackasses show up. Yeah. <laughs> they knock an old man out of his wheelchair and start playing keep away with the heart. 
So you beat up children. Or is that later? Uh, you beat up the children later once you get to Oogie Boogie's mansion. To be fair, the children have it coming. Ooh. <laughs> you want a voice to put that out there for yourself? Ooh. <laughs> okay, so, so I, good news. I decided we have our I had to. Good news. Oof. We have I, our tagline that we can put with the ads. Oh, no. <laughs> Alternately, the title, if we want to really hurt ourselves. Let's just fight through the graveyards to get to Oogie Boogie's mansion, yeah. please. Zero takes you to Moonlight Hill, which unfurls just like the movie to get you over a relatively small fence so you can jump 10 feet in the air. Yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't just be able to jump the fence, especially if you have, you have high jump by now. So They're in a walking bathtub. It's distinct to the movie, but it's not that fast. Fair. But you can't catch them. Mm-hmm. So how do you like Oogie's Manor as a set piece? I like the idea of it better than the execution. I don't like I was, getting over it levels. Well, it's of the sort where the idea is it's one of those spiraling towers where you're finding your way around and around. The knockback from creatures is too high, so it's very easy to get flung off the side. Once you finally work your way through all the gargoyles, the white knights, the ghosts, everything trying to kill you, it's time to be up the children. Yep. We're doubling down on this, aren't we? Go yep. right ahead. You do so, you. Fighting a Stormer 3, there's really nothing knowable except they have surprising damage output from time to time. I don't even remember them being that. I uh, actually got beaten by them once. Explain this. And you're playing on normal. Yeah, I think there's it was a lucky no- shot. Are you upgrading your armor? Kinda. <laughs> Are you upgrading your armor? Are you using the game systems? Because I mean, like, I'm trying I, to. I played it on Proud Mode and I don't think I died. I still think it was bad luck. Like I got caught in something. That's quite possible. Kingdom Hearts is very bad about that. You might have been stunlocked or something. Yeah. Or might not have had MP when you needed it. Mm-hmm. My notes are mostly focused on the fact that the more we mess around with things, the worse everything's getting. So what are we doing? I mean, that's not before Christmas, right? But I don't like being the one making the mistakes in that. I feel like I should know better and Goofy should know better. He's the only one I really credit with that, but at least he should. Yeah, Goofy is the smartest member of our party. And that will continue to be the case going forward. Well, Sora's a cheerful shonen boy, and Donald is a walking ball of rage and pride. Goofy has the highest emotional intelligence of the group, I think. <laughs> so once you defeat the three characters, they immediately start confessing everything while saying they're not going to confess. In the old way, like, we're not supposed to talk about that lever that goes downstairs. Whoops. But they've already thrown the heart down to Oogie anyway, so now you got to keep going. Oogie Boogie's arena here is sort of based on something from the movie, as I recall, right? The weird roulette wheel. He's a gambling boogeyman. In the movie, what was a bubbling pit for most of it, it gets covered with, as you said, a big spinning roulette wheel with all sorts of gadgets once Jack's there to rescue them and fight off Oogie. So that's exactly what we're looking at here. Your land is garish Vegas spot and Oogie eats the heart. He's like, well, let's see if that works. Hey, Heartless. And then two guys show up. <laughs> well done. He gets mad. He's like, he and he just loses his shit entirely. It's like, I'm being disrespected by this asinine plan I made, but it's everyone else's fault. Mm-hmm. And then starts the boss fight, which I think the camera most punishes you for. It's a tough fight because, yeah, like you said, the camera can sometimes get stuck on the other side of the roulette wheel from you. Well, but let's go ahead and set the scene. You're on the roulette wheel. I believe it actually has a smoking pit in the middle, like in this very small section. But you can't fall into it, so it doesn't matter. No. But the thing is, when the wheel spins, and then Oogie, he's almost out of sight from most angles, up on like a circular platform around the roulette wheel, throws his dice into the field. And you can either knock the dice away if you're fast enough, or they can just activate and cause any sorts of random things to occur. They'll create monsters, they'll explode, they'll, they'll spikes, the, the knight statues on the side will start shooting at you. I think if you hit them around enough, you can get the cage to drop down, and you can jump to, to actually attack them. Yeah, you have to get the drop, but there's ones in like three different sections of the field. And if you've lost track of where he is, you're going to go up there and he's not going to be there. I've never lost track of him when I was playing, though. So, Mm. well, if you target him, your camera gets skewed out of hell. You can't see the ground anymore if you're targeting him directly. I don't recall having that big of a problem with it, Mm. but (laughs) this is more just kind of frustrating to me. It's not as hard Mm -hmm. to fight as either the last two. It's just it's I said the camera's punishing you and it's really hard to keep your bearings there. And you only get Mm -hmm. to attack him for short times. You only have to get there a few times because he has large health bars. They deplete very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you only have to get up there like three, maybe four times if you're not fast enough. But Mm -hmm. his attacks aren't too vicious. It's got a pattern and it's not super complicated. It works fine. It's another one that successfully plays the flavor of what was what the villain's confrontation was like in the movie, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Then something happens he, that didn't happen in the movie, as mm-hmm. I recall. Well, first he explodes in the bugs, like which did happen in the movie, as usual. Yep. But then as you leave the mansion, giving up on the heart is a, as just a bad idea. He merges with the mansion to become a giant platforming boss. It's like his house like before. Now it's got like an arm, his head's like a misshapen version of his head up top. 
and he's just like parts of the house are moving more than they were before. And for the most part, it's just like shooting slow moving energy bolts at you while you try and climb all over him to find various orbs that you need to break. He's got great big darkness tumors on him. Yep. It is not a fun fight because it is a platforming fight. I see this is Maleficent's meddling. So she gave him a little bit of extra power, but he's still kind of a chump. Or maybe the heart didn't go down well. Like, I don't have much more to say about the fight than it's there. I don't like it very much. <laughs> and then, as you get later in it, like I said, he's not really swinging you. He's, he's spawning more gargoyles. And since it was already right. rough enough on just the mansion, but now it's got this version that's also swinging around. It's even rougher to keep your brain. And it's not yeah. really easy to tell where the orbs are right away. Right. It's They're kind the of in far-flung cool. areas of the of The, uh, of the, of the, the idea map. is better than the execution. <laughs> when you beat him, you get another answer report, and you find the keyhole right beneath his mansion. So he was on top of it, so he was completely screwing up the Heartless when I giving him it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? He, he probably wasn't paying attention in Maleficent's class very much. Everyone, please turn to page two. Why you should find where the keyhole is. Like he's already. Yeah, he, he doesn't even care about the keyhole, huh? <laughs> he doesn't care about anything. I mean, yeah. he doesn't he like care- Jack, and he thinks he can control Heartless if he steals this thing. That's all we get out of him. So anyway, answer report. You get answer report seven. What does answer report seven say, Matt? I am studying material from the meteors that rained down that fateful night. What a find! This material is foreign to our world. It is elastic to the touch. And when two pieces are combined, they bond easily. None of the records even mention such a substance. Was it introduced to this world when I opened the door? I wonder how many other such materials drift through the atmosphere of this tiny world. I wish I could soar off and find out. Could there be uncharted worlds up there? My curiosity never ceases to grow. But I should stop speaking of such unrealistic dreams. For now, there is no way to venture outside this world. My people and I are all but prisoners of this tiny place. Is this gummy ship lore? I that think it's gummy ship lore. Is. <laughs> Why do we have gummy ship lore, y'all? Because <laughs> it got to come from somewhere. And you notice immediately, yo, he's like, oh, I wish I could move, but clearly I can't use this crap for it. Forget well, that. Well, also, it's kind of interesting because it's clearly reprising what happened to Sora and Riku as mm-hmm. well. That basically they open the door... And all of a sudden, things are fucking up. So it sounds like Ansem did appear to open a door here, and he's definitely restless. Like, he desires more. He's got his own Disney princess I want going. Yep. He's got the same wanderlust that Riku and Sora had. He felt that his world was tiny, and he wanted to get out and visit other worlds, just like they so, made their mission statement on Destiny Islands. So this is also four reports after the last report, which was all about just about the, him discovering the Heartless. And talk yes. about the, so what has happened in those four letters that has changed it to oh a meteor's crashed now we're filling in lore interestingly I would say I I think actually the story of the Ansem reports was probably created last and they definitely thought about how they wanted to present it to you in each little step not going too deep into it, it is known that Ansem was a late creation for the story not mm-hmm. even going into his uh, role yet everything involving him was a later idea like it wasn't part of the original idea nothing nothing you know unusual about that but it does definitely lead to the fact that they probably created it as they kind of like when you're starting to tie things together so basically once again the same pattern as Agrabah and Monster before while they're still kind of doing their own weird little stories we're again and again hitting things that happened before like we're, we keep facing the villains. Mm-hmm. And now that we're facing the villains, we're actually getting some world building, which is kind of neat. Which takes us away from Halloween Town, which is fun, short and sweet. Mm-hmm. We have a final yeah. last boss. And then suddenly well, we get hit by a pirate ship. I'm actually excited for this next one because Ooh. Peter Pan was one of the Disney movies that I really loved as a child. And actually the music I really liked, too. I know you were surprised, Jared, when I said that. You know, I didn't really like a lot of the Disney music when I was a child, but Peter Pan was the big exception. I liked Peter Pan and the Three Caballeros, I think, were the the music ones that I really liked. Interesting. Though music in Peter Pan has one giant, uncomfortable blinking mark in it. Yeah, there is a bit of an oof in there. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of don't even want to go into that one. (laughs) I mean, that's just one awkward song that I'd rather skip entirely. But I said, (laughs) basically, you don't even make it to the land. A pirate ship just comes floating through the gummy ship void, broadsides you and rams into you and takes you on board. Yet it's still actually the world that they're from because eventually you can go to England. 
Yes, yeah, so the real world is is part of the Kingdom Hearts universe. Well, I right? mean, we know that already. Like, there's other places that have like real world analogs that we will go to. I mean, Tarzan had English people. Yeah, but, but it's like it's a different England is the thing. The many Englands. The many Englands. <laughs> like, I was a little bit disappointed by Neverland or just Hook's boat. Yep. In this particular incarnation of Kingdom Hearts. Well, of course, we're taking on Hook's ship by Hook's men. So the first person we see is Riku. Sora wants to work down on Goofy, and Riku takes it as an insult. You know, the guys that yeah, were in the ship you just smashed into, maybe it's fair wondering how they are. But he's like, no, you should be paying more attention to the comatose girl here. And it's <laughs> Kyrie. Yay! She's unconscious. Boo! Well, Riku's talking. It's like, you were goofing about goofy and i finally found her and then you try to go to her and hook's like nope i would at least pretend to be a charge here yep hook does not so, want people pulling rank on his ship <laughs> and here's where things get really fun like sora's like riku why are you siding with the heartless riku the heartless so baby now sora now i have nothing to fear Sora, you're stupid <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say they'll swallow his heart he's like my heart's too so i just love sora just is Finally, starting to get fed up with Riku. Riku hey, was fu- stop smelling the darkness. Riku was definitely paying a lot more attention in Maleficent's class than Oogie Boogie, though. Yeah, Riku yeah. ends up being the most competent of the mooks. Well, let's say he hasn't explicitly been told. Although Maleficent gave him the ability to control the heart was just a couple worlds ago, now he suddenly has the ability to summon Sora's shadow. Is mm-hmm. that because of Neverland? You think? Maybe. Shadows are kind of dicks in Neverland. That might be it. So I hate this shadow thing. It's a miserable bastard, and we're going to have to deal with it before we're done. So thanks a lot, Riku. Thanks a load. Mm-hmm. And then he drops you in trapdoor. Yep. Following the brig, and you meet up with Donald and Goofy again. Hook and Smee, his first mayor, are sulking because Riku's ordering the ship around, and the place is crawling with Heartless, which apparently Hook can't do anything about. Is this ship a chaos maze, or is it just laid out like a ship? I called it a chaos maze first because this ship is just wooden planks and tight hallways. You're going to be with an ally who spends his time flying around, getting in the way of the camera. Does Peter Pan join us in the brig? Sora is truly optimistic. Because after all that went down, what he has to say to Donald Goofy is, I saw Kyrie. And, you know, they're happy here, too, and I don't blame him. But it's interesting that he's jumped already to that. Yep. So Sora's <laughs> lying on the ground. Goofy's lying at another angle. And we see they've both fallen on Donald. He was talking on top of him. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> Poor Donald. Right. But no, yes, you are. Right. Peter Pan just kind of pops out of a barrel in the same room with you. Peter he, Pan is he, just there because pretty much anything that he can do to mess with Hook, he's down for. Hasn't Tinkerbell been caught? Or no, wait, no. When yes. He's been captured. Yeah, yeah, so basically you poked him. It, by the way, for apparently no reason, because they were looking for princesses, and it's like, no, we didn't need this one, you stupid pirate. Yep, Wendy isn't a princess. <laughs> and Peter Band just always has this perpetual jackass smirk on his face. It's probably the modeling partly his design is. He's just a very, the nice word I'll use is whimsical. Mm-hmm. He is a floating yeah. fairy boy who yeah. will never grow yep. up. So they said, aren't you stuck here with us, too? It's like, oh, no, I'm waiting for someone. Tinkerbell actually shows up on her own to help him. Ah, yes. Tinkerbell tries to give you flight, but it doesn't activate. (laughs) It's like, well, he said, do you find Wendy? It's like, yeah, there's another girl, too. And Sora's like, oh, that's probably the one I'm looking for. Probably stops just short saying that's my girl. So thanks. Mm. Sora's a better boy than that, though. Yeah, I don't think Sora thinks about it in those terms. Riku <laughs> so, yeah. does at this point. Peter Pan's like, here, have some pixie dust. And then Donald tries to fly, flapping his wings, my ad. It flops on his face. It's clearly FF Duck's Iron Flightless Birds. It's kind of a running joke, I think. I think they kind of lampshade that a little bit in DuckTales as well. There's literally a scene a new one where two of them are feeding where two of them are feeding ducks and the moon person with them is looking back and forth in confusion and slight horror. Yep. <laughs> it's great. So Heartless here, you got some air version of the uh, missile divers, like the screw divers. You got air pirates as well. And pirate pirates. They, they look a lot like bandits, only they're recolored. Yep. And you got battleships. Big flying ships. Ah, uh, yes. Those show up on the deck. And you can kind of break them in pieces. And they're a cool mm-hmm. design, but they're kind of frustrating in their own way. I mean, they're a good enemy for when your flying finally takes. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. First, we have to hear Riku ordering around Captain Hook some more and saying, no, Wendy wasn't necessary. But he's saying, no, we see you need seven girls. Mufus has said, wrong one, doofus. And Hook says, well, you know, this girl's her heart's gone. And Riku's like, screw you. I'm going to fix this because he wants Kyrie's heart back. I wonder where it went. Well, I said, well, it was probably clear from like, the number of times she's been out cold seen here. But it seems that her heart was indeed gone for whatever mm-hmm. happened to her. I just love then that, that he gets a message that the prisoners escaped. He knows immediately Peter Pan's fucking everything up. Eventually, so you, you work your way through the ship. 
and, you, and you reach like the outside of Wendy's cell. So Peter and Wendy talk. She points out there is comatose Kyrie there, and the store can just kind of see her, but then Kyrie gets dragged off. Ships are naturally kind of confusing below decks, though. Yeah, the so. problem is you're kind of expected to climb up into small passageways that have two unmarked doors, and there's like a few of those, so mm-hmm. you're kind of fumbling between rooms, and it's even easier to turn around because there's no landmarks to look at. I don't recall being that confused by it, but I can see that. Well, it's also cramped quarters with enemies yeah. that fly, and you can't yeah. get. So, so we make it up into the captain's cabin. Yep, and that's where you and fight the shadow, correct? Yes, and oh, you're going to get me ranting again? No, funny, but I really hated this guy. It's I mean, another fight that doesn't stick in my brain, which means it either wasn't all that memorable for me, which means I probably didn't die a lot, or it didn't do anything interesting. I don't think I died. It's just his moves are garbage. He's actually a lot like a shadow shadow. Oh, heartless. yeah, he's, just, he's a shadow, but like, also with Sora's moveset is, is what yeah. it is, right? So he flattens. He goes out of reach. And actually, the worst thing is he kind of pops up behind you almost like a teleport. Mm-hmm. So you're spending a lot of time missing him, a lot of time just getting cheap shot from behind. Mm-hmm. I don't think I lost to it either, but I found him just very aggravating because mm-hmm. he's, he's just like basically going, hot. you once again can't hit me. See, so once you beat him, that gives you access to the deck, correct? I actually think you find Wendy first before anything. Yeah, well, I but thought you found you, Wendy before you go into the. Uh, I think you go with the. I think like you go, you clear the cabin, you find Wendy, then you go up to the top. Okay. And Peter just ditches you as soon as he finds Wendy. By the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's not ready to help you out. <laughs> yeah. Then we go up there and finally find with all the bullshit gone. Hook gets to overact. <laughs> yep. He calls Riku quite a codfish. That Riku running off with that girl without even saying goodbye. I am not doing a good hook, am I? That was a better hook than I expected. Fair enough, fair Same. enough. I really like Hook as a villain, just in general, from the movie. I mean, there's a lot of fun versions. I mean, mm-hmm. I like Hook, where it's, uh, I want to say, Dustin Hoffman. I, well, you know, Hook, the Robin Williams movie. Yes, I know the movie you're talking about. I, I just have not seen it in a very long time, and I don't remember It is Dustin actors. Hoffman, and he is, once again, I always my favorite phrase is acting so hard he's leaving teeth in the set. And this version, you know, this version is just good. He's just this weird, hammy guy with a nasal voice. And, but he tells same point. He says how Riku ran off. I was like, where'd he go? To the ruins of Hollow Bastion, where Maleficent resides. Wait, that's not a Disney place. <laughs> it's not a Disney place at all. Saying the name Hollow Bastion is probably the first time that you'd be like, oh, wait, there's been we're places re- that aren't Disney worlds. We're reaching a new phase. We might be reaching a new phase. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Are we getting towards the end game? Anyway, Hook tries to make you walk the plank. By having Tinkerbell in a lantern. And Sora's a good boy. He's not going to risk even a fairy that's been mocking him and laughing at Donald. So Sora walks the plank. And then we do the cool scene from the movie where Sora starts to fly right after walking off. Well, before, yes, the first the crocodile shows up. Peter tells him he can fly. Sora jumps off and then he just flies in the last seconds. And then for some reason, Peter Pan starts doing his voice mimicry thing to fuck with Hook. Is that you, Smee? You finish him off? All right, Captain. They walk the plank. Every last one of them. Then they fight. And so Hook is going to be your first fight that you do with flying controls and flying controls way better than swimming. And I don't know how they did that. I think yeah, it's the so momentum. Weird. Yeah, the momentum is probably it. Like, flying... Flight momentum is you basically stop like you're walking. Swimming was slippery and had things like the dolphin kick and run. Mm -hmm. Flying, you move around really quickly. You move around really quickly. You can shut it off. You can land. Yeah, you can land, shut it off. But, like, when I'm in an area that I can fly, I'm almost always flying because you can do your air combos without having to jump. It feels really good. It's surprising. And the Hook's a pretty fun fight. He's got Battleship Heartless bombarding air. You can fly him and handle him or dodge him. And you're kind of sword fighting him. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's facing you head on. And that's appreciated. He doesn't have any gimmicks other than just being a battle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a fight that I thought was all that hard, but it was a fight that's a lot of fun because you're flying and flying is fun despite the fact that it's controlled similarly to swimming, which was not fun. <laughs> which tells me that maybe swimming would have been better if they stopped thinking about water physics for a bit. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I is, definitely think you're right that it, the specific thing that's bad about swimming controls is having to kick to move. It's funny. I just want to throw out one more thing, by the way. I have absolutely no memory of the music in Neverland. There's not much to it, is there? There's not much to it. No. I feel like it's just sort of like a little oboe playing with a creaking boat ship sound. More or less. So yeah, you fight Hook, he gets chased off by the crocodile in comical fashion, just like the movie. And you get another Ansem report, Ansem report number nine. Simply astonishing. Today, I had a guest from another world. He is a king, and his vessel is built of the material that composed the meteors. He called the pieces gummy blocks. It seemed that my opening the door has opened a path to interworld travel. We talked for countless hours. But one story in particular caught my interest, that of a key called the Keyblade. The Keyblade is said to hold phenomenal power. 
One legend says that its wielder saved the world, while another says that he wrought chaos and ruin upon it. I must know what this keyblade is. A key opens doors. It must be connected to the door I have opened. Can I just say it's strange at no point he said, by the way, it was a giant talking mouse. It could be a different king. <laughs> I, okay, maybe it was a bearded mer guy, and that's why he's worried about it. But yeah, come on. King, Tri- king Triton's gummy ship gets places. <laughs> it was full it was of water for some Mickey. reason. <laughs> it was probably Mickey. Yeah. And Samuel, he doesn't worry about the small details like talking mice or ships made out of candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he hears about the keyblade, and that instantly piques his interest. I opened a door, those open doors, we have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also just because. Hmm. Power, you say? Yep. <laughs> we do have a little bit of hint of that the Keyblade can either be a good thing or a bad thing. It's simply right. a tool. Mm-hmm. I will say a little ahead of time, I think they were planning to do even more with that. They didn't quite fully reach. Like, I don't think that part is fully realized, so at least not say, so far. I will say that like there are some things in there that I'm like, okay, they definitely were thinking about some things that will pay off here. But I will also say... This answer report makes no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the lack of mouse? So I can't talk about it because of narrative time flow, not introducing things, but I actually want to put a pin in this because I want to come back and, uh, and look at a lot of these answer reports based on things that we learn later. It, so this yeah, put a pin in that. simply be a case of, you know, oh, we have to retcon this, but still. So after you chase off Hook, Sora, he, they're on the deck of Hook's ship, and Sora's just kind of blankly staring out in the ocean. And Goofy's showing some surprise and sensitivity. He's like, well, gee, she couldn't wake up. Maybe she lost her heart. And Don's like, shop. And Sora's but, you know, just like, I can't believe it. I could fly. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> tell Kyrie. Again, it. I don't hate this version of him. Like, it keeps Happy Neverland. This incredibly perky part. It's. It's to me. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's. It's fun that he's positive in this weird way. Because you see, when he's actually in conflict, he's serious. It's just like his own thoughts always just go to happiness. Yeah, he is able to transform negative thoughts into positivity. He's definitely very optimistic, and I kind of think of it as an extreme form of optimism. From here, we all go flying to Big Ben because Wendy needs to go home. And Tinkerbell's going to do something at the clock tower. Yep. Peter is weirdly okay with that. Because this is the whole point of Peter Pan that Peter doesn't want to let anyone go home. <laughs> well, the, the Disney version, he definitely tried to argue against it, but they ask, he does let him go home. Okay. I mean, let's go back to the original novel where it's indicated that the Lost Boys weren't unaging, Peter just would take care of them when they got too old. Oh no. Take That's yes. That it's never dark. said it's never said directly, but he makes it pretty applies like he calls them. Oh no. The well, original stories are often very dark. I didn't say anything about Han Christian Anderson's Little Mermaid. It's horrifying. But yeah, so he's like I said, he's not quite an, like an evil uh, fairy here. He's more he literally is just an overly optimistic boy who's hard to explain things to. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you find the keyhole in Big Ben because there, we Why have not? to have a keyhole somewhere. Might it's not going to be on the pirate ship. Yeah, it's not going to be on the pirate ship because that's Hook's place. I still don't get how Hook's pirate ship takes us to this particular world. It's weird. Well, I don't think it takes it. I think we literally just fly off. Okay. So we fly through the void. But no, Hook's ship. I think what so what's happening is that I think Hook's ship can travel through the void, but it's taking the entire world of Peter Pan with it. <laughs> that might be Good the case. God. <laughs> How's that for a thought? <laughs> so, yeah, basically you close the hole. Tinkerbell's sulking at Wendy and Peter having a moment together. You have a flashback with Riku. Like, he's just imagining, like, remembering like him and Sora talking to your friends, go someplace, a new girl had washed up at the mayor's house or something. Is this one of the uh, silent cutscenes where they don't have voices? No, this is a normal cutscene. There's really okay. only a couple of times. He literally just says, she arrived in the night of the meteor shower, mm-hmm. which after the last couple of answer reports... This is true. Yeah, meteor showers seem to have some kind of significance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Tinkerbell gets to go with you. Yeah, but, <laughs> but one last thing is, as they were in the secret place on Destiny on Destiny Islands, and Riku saw the keyhole on that mysterious door there as they left. Mm. And then we have a then after Tinkerbell is going with you, we have a scene with Riku. He's in he's in some sort of strange castle, but he's like on the ground, wiped out, pain. Wilson said, well, that was stupid. Why'd you just jump through a portal without any sort of protection? And then outside, they hear something roaring. So what's that? It's a castaway. He just, he followed us here. No worries. Now an aura surrounds him. Says it's opening his true potential. 
And Riku seems okay with that, but we don't have any real details. Yeah, you take Tinkerbell away because she's getting pissed at Peter. I really think it's an excuse for him, but Tinkerbell's a great summon. Mm-hmm. Tinkerbell is basically a regen all the time. Pretty much, yeah. She's like regularly healing. I mean, Donald's mocking her because she's jealous of Peter and Wendy, and I don't know why. It almost looks like she's about to kill him. So you take Tinkerbell away, and that's basically the last Disney World. Yep. Uh, from here on out, Kingdom Hearts is going to be Kingdom Hearts. You got one last navigation gummy. It's time to take it back to Traverse Town. Yep. I think that's all that we have for this week. So until next time, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Jared. And a good story is best shared with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release.